Welcome to the Lubar Executive Education Podcast. In this episode, we'll be talking about a common challenge many leaders face, delivering an effective and engaging presentation. In the business world, being called upon to deliver a presentation is a great opportunity. It gives the chance to position yourself as an expert in an important topic, thereby providing the potential to expand your influence across the organization. In cases where you're presenting to the senior leadership team or board of directors, it provides you with a valuable opportunity to gain insight into how senior leaders think and to be seen as someone who has strong business acumen and can take on higher levels of responsibility. To make the most of your opportunities, you need to create and deliver a presentation that simplifies your message, is engaging, and delivered with confidence. To talk more about how to do this every time you present, I'd like to introduce Sean Tyler Foley. Tyler is a professional speaker, knowledgeable trainer, and author who draws on his diverse experience working with just about every industry on the planet, including being a child actor, to help people increase their storytelling skills so others will hear and understand the message they're trying to send. Welcome, Tyler. Thank you for taking time to be with me today. Oh, Mike, it's my joy and my pleasure. I've been looking forward to this, and I'm excited to serve your audience. I'd like to start off our conversation with a question about the fear that many people have when it comes to public speaking. As someone who's been speaking in front of groups since your childhood years, you're very familiar with the challenge of getting up in front of an audience and then trying to be heard and understood. Where, in your opinion, does this fear come from? So the first thing that I would advise anybody who claims to have a fear of public speaking and understand you're in good company because that's 77% of the population that you don't actually have a fear of public speaking. It's a misdiagnosis, if you will. And most people look at me and go, no, no, I really do. I am terrified of public speaking. And then I would challenge any of your audience who is thinking that right now and identifies with those 77% when the last time they ordered food at a restaurant was. Because if they did that, they spoke in public. And Further, if they didn't know their wait staff prior to ordering, then not only did they speak in public, but they spoke to a perfect stranger. So they're not actually afraid of public speaking. What they're afraid of is public judgment. And that's usually where we get this fear from that uh, what we're saying or how we're saying it, or more specifically, where that we're saying it in the scenario in which that's being presented, we're afraid that our words, our actions, and thereby ourselves are going to be judged for it. The first thing to overcome the fear of public speaking is to recognize that you're not actually afraid of public speaking. What you're afraid of is public judgment. And by diagnosing it correctly, then you can treat it correctly. I can definitely think of a couple of times that fear of public judgment, as you talk about, has crept into my mind and gotten the better of me, resulting in uh, how should we say it? Suboptimal performance, right? The strange thing is I felt confident and prepared until just before I started taking the stage. And that stage fright, it just seemed to come out of nowhere. Understanding this can happen to just about anybody. What can you do to combat that when it happens in the moment? So, and you had pointed out a very good point, and that is that you would prepare. But my question to you and to anybody who is preparing is what does that preparation work look like? Because a lot of time we get locked into this um, memorization mode, as I refer to it, where we have this idea of this presentation and we get locked into learning a script. And a lot of times that's when at that final moment that fear comes in, because we're not actually afraid at that point of what the, the audience will think. We're afraid that we're going to forget everything that we've memorized. And we probably will. I mean, I've been performing for 35 years. I've been memorizing scripts for 
coming up now for decades. And I still forget lines on a daily basis. I don't think I've had a dead letter perfect audition in probably five years. And when I have them, they're rare. And I, I'm excited about it because I remembered every word in the exact right order. And so one of the tips that I would give everybody is to stop memorizing scripts and know that that is actually very wasted time in your prep. Now, I do believe that 70% of your preparation should go into making sure that you're comfortable and prepared to deliver your presentation, including memorizing beats and moments within it. But I would strongly encourage everybody to get away from a memorized script. This is the word that I have to say at this exact moment and get into more of a free flow. Know that you have a story arc that you want to take your audience on and memorize the beats within that. So I need to emphasize point A which will bring me to point B, which will bring me to point C. And it's kind of a waypoint destination versus a, this is the route that I'm going to follow. So if I was to travel to your house, Mike, I would put that into my GPS. I need to know where I'm beginning, my house. I need to know where I'm ending, your house. And I need to have a rough map or a guideline of how I'm going to get there. But I need to be prepared that I may not be able to travel I-95 the whole way there. I might have to detour onto a side road or hop over to I-60 or however it works. I'm going to have to change my destination based on the circumstances of the vehicle that I'm traveling in. Maybe I'm driving an electric hybrid and I need to charge the thing. Or maybe I'm in a big diesel truck and I need to gas up at a bulk fuel place. And none of them are on this road. So now I'm going to have to detour. And that typically comes when your audience is needing you to take them on a different journey than the one that you had planned. And if you have prepped the proper way, you can do that. And you don't have the fear of what if I forget my script because you haven't memorized a script. By focusing what our prep work is onto making sure that we have about a 30% of it dedicated to our mindset so that we're comfortable and confident taking the stage and 70% to knowing the story arc of where we want to go versus trying to memorize a script, which is often just useless, wasted time, you'll find that you have a, a far better, more confident presentation. Thanks for that advice. I can see where being a little more fluid and planning to be fluid is going to take off some of those nerves. What happens when you're in the middle of a presentation and you lose your place or, you know, I know you have your waypoints, but maybe you kind of get a little bit further off track than you had hoped, or your mind just goes blank. What do you do in those situations? You mean you took a left at Albuquerque? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, I, uh, that's a really good question. And there are a couple of really simple and subtle techniques that you can use. The first one, if you find that you have gone way, way off and you need to recollect yourself, one of the quickest things that you can do to both reinforce that you're a good speaker and get your audience re-engaged, particularly if you've noticed that they were drifting while you were detouring, if they came along board with you, that's fine. You still may need to recollect and get recentered, but particularly if they were not coming along that detour with you, they wanted the right at Albuquerque. Then one of the things that you can do is ask your audience to turn to each other, find a partner, turn to somebody beside you. And what's the key takeaway that you've gotten so far from what we've discussed? And then they share amongst themselves the one thing that they remember. And then the other person shares the one thing that they remember. And what that does is that reinforces the messaging. And then if you want to do an advanced technique, 
once everybody has had two minutes to share, which in that time should give you time to go over to a podium or a lectern or wherever you have some notes, because I would have notes prepped to the side just in case you need them. You can go get a glass of water, do some breath work while you're there. So that's another technique. So anytime you have the opportunity to take in a few deep breaths, particularly if you can do uh, controlled prana breaths, which is a technique that I use to prep, that'll recenter you. So you take your time to yourselves. And then when you feel that you've got it back, you look out to your audience and say, okay, now who feels comfortable sharing what you and your partner learned? What that does is it reinforces, the first bit of sharing reinforces two messages. The same two people will not take away the same things. They may have heard similar things and have similar takeaways, but their interpretation of it will always be different. So it allows for somebody else to be teaching your information on your behalf. And then when you do the big share to the group, if you can get two or three people to speak up, now that really reinforces and it gives you an opportunity to check the pulse of your room and find out what's resonating and landing. And then you can use that to carry on, particularly, again, if you've used the waypoint method. So you know where you were at, you know where people picked up, and then you know where you need to finish. So you can now either jump to the destination or you can backtrack to where you need to be to get to your destination. So I find just that one thing, asking people to turn to a partner and share, gives you three or four different opportunities to re-engage your audience, to reset yourself, and to check the pulse of the room. I like the options that provides. If you don't want to be super bold and just stop and do what I just discussed, you can also switch gears. In my book, I talk about transition phrases. And those are words or phrases that you can use that trigger your audience's mind to know, okay, we are done with that. And now we're moving on to something else. So in summation, or to conclude, or now I would like to introduce this new topic. Now I'd like to introduce this new idea. All of those things trigger the brain. So they might be drifting and they go, okay, good. We're done with that. Now there is something new. So transition phrases are a really great way of subtly bringing your audience back on board, then you can start playing with your voice, whether it's pitch or pace, power, all of those things, the four Ps, you can really dig in and start to play with your audience. So if you've been using this tone for a while, maybe you bring it down a little bit. Because now what I'm about to share is a bit of a secret. So I need you to come in and lean a little closer. And they will do that. Like, it's funny when you can get really good with playing with your voice. It's amazing the reaction that you can get from an audience. I love to do it just as play with the psychology of it. So when you do do this, particularly if you mimic with, with body language and you move in just a little bit and you lean to your audience like this, they will naturally lean in. And that's a subtle way, again, of engaging your audience. The opposite is true, too. If you get up and you just start like this, people begin to lean back a little ways. It's like, whoa, this wave of sound is coming at me. And all of those are subtle ways of getting your audience to re-engage. Check what tone you're using. Check uh, what the power and projection of your voice is. Check what your pacing is. If you've been going a thousand miles a minute, slow it down. If you've been going mock tortoise for a little while, maybe bring it up. And all of those things are subtle ways that you can use to just re-engage your audience.
The other thing is um, you can do pattern interrupts. So a lot of times a clap or a very strategically and well-placed word. So if there's a trigger word, uh, usually they're curse words. I don't use them a lot and I don't recommend them unless absolutely necessary. But if you need to get your audience's attention, sometimes placing a word that is abnormal to what is expected will instantly grab somebody's attention be like, what? He said what now? And then they're back on board. Thanks. Can't wait to try a few of them for myself. <laughs> I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you your thoughts on the difference between in-person presentations versus delivering a presentation online. With the pandemic oh. changing up how we work, it's easy to see leaders being asked to now deliver more presentations online. What advice do you have for those situations? Recognizing that there is a difference. Like flat out, there is a difference, particularly on camera. Now you need to bring more energy because what you can naturally feel in a room, you do not get in a virtual presentation. And where you used to be able to have this yin and yang and synergy within a group of people. And there's actually a study on it. So if anybody is interested, study heart math and look at the electromagnetic resonance that the human body naturally puts out, particularly the heart. And when the heart and the mind are aligned, that uh, electromagnetic field actually expands. And so when you're in a group scenario with other people, particularly if you can get their heart and mind aligned with the words that you're saying, that electromagnetic resonance actually grows and you can, you can literally feel the power in the room. Like it's, a, it's an actual measurable thing. You can take an EKG, you can check that magnetic field and you can actually see it grow. And there's been some really fascinating studies. So if anybody is curious, do look at heart math and just kind of do the study of that. And if they're wondering kind of what it is that I'm talking about, I would very quickly ask anybody, if you've ever walked into a room after somebody has been fighting, you didn't hear the fight, you didn't witness the fight, but you walk into the room and you can feel that negative charge. That's the study that heart math looked at into the, why is that a thing? And it actually does uh, negatively charge a room and you can have a positively charged room. And anybody knows that when you've gone to a theater and you've heard a standing ovation, you know, maybe you've been either in the audience or better if you've been lucky enough to be the person who's receiving said standing ovation, you know, that kind of rush of it. And it's not just the sound. There's a power, there's a magnetism that moves through the room and you can usually feel it on the back of your neck. It makes the hairs on the back of your neck stand up. Same thing. So you can have a negatively charged or positively charged room and, and it's scientifically verifiable. And with that, we can honestly align ourselves and feel that power. One thing I've learned over the years is to practice, practice, practice. And you talked a little bit about practice earlier. Some people advocate practicing in front of a mirror. Others like to use test audiences. We know you're not going to practice lines in an actual script. We've already covered that. But what thoughts do you have on the subject of practicing and how someone should practice from a waypoint perspective? Well, and again, I think it depends on the medium. So back to the previous question, how does the Zoom change versus a live room? Depending on where your medium is, you need to practice. So with the Zoom rooms, if you want to bring a better presentation, we need to bring up that energy because we're not getting that same electromagnetic resonance from our audience. So we need to hype it up. But at the same time, I think for both scenarios, I think the more you prepare as though you're talking to a live audience 
and really use your space. I'm a big proponent of getting into my space early so that I know what it is. And for my Zoom presentations, I've actually created my own studio because this allows me to stand up. So now I am actually presenting like I'm presenting. And it allows me to get into the mindset of doing it. It allows me to have some freedom and some flexibility. If I need to, I can actually physically move through my space. I can energize myself and I can have the same luxury that I would in, in a live presentation. So with the, particularly with these Zooms now, everybody is getting tired of, you know, the up the nose shot and the, the thing. Like if you, if you are, particularly if you're a professional speaker, now, if you're, you know, if you're not a professional speaker and you've been asked last minute to present, you don't need the setup that I have. But even the setup that I have is not all that uh, difficult. It's two side lights, a ring light, and a nice little monitor that I can look at my, that I can actually look at the camera and look at my audience at the same time. And the whole setup was under $500, including the backdrop. I would say from a preparation standpoint, that's the first thing that I would look at. Where am I presenting? What is the desired outcome of that talk? And from those two things, that's where the majority of your prep work is going to be. If I can get into my space, if I'm giving a live presentation, I want to be able to actually get onto the stage. I even like to touch the theater. I will walk through and I will touch seats and I will literally put my energy out into the space. And I know it sounds a little frou-frou. But like, particularly for me, being a professional speaker, a lot of times I've actually paid for the stage. Like I've rented the venue. And so I like to be like, this is mine. Like I actually own this. Maybe only least, may only be for eight to 10 to 12, 24 hours. But this is mine and I own it. And I like to go out and I like to touch. I like to sit in the seats and see what the sight lines are. I like to be able to know what if I move in various ways, how people would be able to see how it will come across and translate. So anytime I can get into the space ahead of time, I like to do that. And then that helps me with what do I need to do as far as projection? How do I need to use my voice? Do Will I need a PA system? Is it a large enough venue that I'm actually going to need to be mic'd? Or can I get away with just speaking in my natural tone and my natural way? All of these things are factors. So the first thing is, figuring out where you're going to be speaking and know what the desired outcome is. Because what do you need to deliver? Why have you been asked to give that talk? Who is your audience? What is the ultimate expectation of you to them? And then you can start guiding everything there. And that's where all the, the rest of the practice and the prep work um, comes from. Before we bring this episode to a close, what final nugget of advice do you have for our listeners when it comes to delivering an effective and engaging presentation every time? Oh, First of all, know that you are the authority. If you've been asked to give a presentation, it's because you were the best choice. I assure you, people don't go to the second string goalie if they can pick the first. You want to make sure that you go in with the mindset that I was the right person to do this. I learned that from acting. If I got the job, I got the job. I didn't need to be nervous after that. I was picked over everyone else who auditioned and further everyone else who was submitted. Now I had the opportunity to do it. And even if you were voluntold, you're like, oh, Tyler, that's great. You wanted to go on audition. You wanted to be on film. But if you've been voluntold, maybe by a boss to present some kind of information to your peer group, it's because you were the person that they trusted. You had the most knowledge at the time 
and therefore you are the authority of this. The next trick that I would give everybody is to remember that just because you've been told that you need to present the information doesn't mean you need to talk the whole time. You are there to present information. But one of the fastest ways you can keep your audience engaged and do a more effective presentation is by involving them in the presentation. So statistics have shown that if you involve people, your audience, in a conversation, the engagement is at 92%, where if it's just a dialogue where you're just spitting information, the engagement is down at 78%. So take the bonus 14%, ask them, what do they feel about the numbers? What impact does it have? Is there any meaning? Can they see anything else? Elicit information. You, as the chosen subject matter expert, are there to guide the conversation, but you don't have to have it as a monologue. So know that you're the authority, include your audience, and if you can, use the power of story to emphasize why these things are important to you, whether they're sales statistics or whether it's a personal journey or why this information is important to you. If you use a personal story, now I'm more engaged because I can walk that mile in your shoes and understand why it's important to you. So those would be the three techniques that I would encourage all of your audience to use the next time they need to give a powerful presentation. Tyler, thank you for being on the Lubar Executive Education Podcast and talking with me about your experience and how we can all be more impactful when presenting. Mike, it was my joy and my pleasure. I hope I was of service. If you're interested in more information and tips from Tyler, I've included a link to a free download with five insider secrets to speak with confidence, communicate effectively, and win your audience in the description area of this episode. You can also go to goodbooks.com and order a copy of his book called The Power to Speak Naked, How to Speak with Confidence, Communicate Effectively, and Win Your Audience. In closing, I'd like to take a moment and thank our listeners. We wish you the best of luck as you move forward on your leadership journey. Please check back regularly for additional episodes.